The Free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. There are many conflicts in the world, not just between nations, but within a nation, even within a community, and within individuals themselves. And in today's program, we're not only going to learn the root of the conflict, but also the solution. Our series is entitled Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary. In this particular segment, we're going to begin with chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. And chapter 10 is a very important chapter. It talks about Paul, his apostolic ministry, how his ministry is defended and commended. This is not something that should be done very often, but obviously in this case, commending and defending was important because though most of the Corinthian church was on side with Paul, there was a small minority of rabble-rousers, rebels, people that refused to submit to apostolic authority. Now, rebellion is uh, nothing new. And we certainly have a lot of it today as well. But it's in this context that we need to understand what is the source of the rebellion. Because ultimately, the source of the rebellion, as we're going to discover, is not flesh and blood. The source of the rebellion is invisible and spiritual. Paul is going to address this head-on in just a few verses. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 to 6. So, first of all, he says, Now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who is in presence am lowly among you, but being absent am bold towards you. So, Paul is making a personal plea. He's doing so in humility. He's doing so in meekness. And please understand, friends, meekness does not mean weakness. It means handing everything over to God, It's a grace that basically lets God do the lifting, God do the fighting, God do the vindicating. And then he goes on and talks about how the war that they're facing, and it's not a war with guns and cannons and aircraft, it's a war that is spiritual. And he puts it in these words, in verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So, in other words, we may live in a physical body, but the conflict we face, indeed all conflict, ultimately has one root, spiritual. So, if the problem is spiritual, carnal methods are not going to work. Carnal weapons are not going to work. The only thing that will work is spiritual weapons, because ultimately everything we face is of a spiritual nature. It is important that we understand the spiritual nature, and that that we are rightly aligned with God to see total victory. Verse 4, 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Paul is talking about the spiritual weapons without actually using that term, spiritual. And he goes on to say this in 2 Corinthians 10.5, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So our spiritual weapons are mighty before God. And it says that they will cast down imaginations and every high thing exalting itself above the knowledge of God. So in Paul's day, they had Greek philosophy and ideology, and they had heathen theologies and all kinds of other things. These thoughts are what imprison people, and the gospel of Christ simply preached, Christ crucified, risen, coming again, pulls down these thoughts, these strongholds, these things that imprison people, and bring them safely to God's shore. Well, let's begin 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the chapter is about apostolic ministry defended and commended, and we're going to read the first part of this chapter, 2 Corinthians 10 verses 1 to 6. Again, 2 Corinthians 10 verses 1 to 6. Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in present am base among you, but being absent, am bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 to 6. Let's begin from the beginning here. First of all, this lesson is called spiritual warfare, and it is important as Christians we understand and employ spiritual warfare. It doesn't mean we are in conflict every moment of every day, or it doesn't mean that we have to sit on the battle lines living in fear and dread as we're ducking bullets. Spiritual warfare is both a mindset of readiness, discernment at the true source of conflict, which as I said earlier, is spiritual. And knowing how to walk in a lifestyle that is so God-pleasing, it will literally repel the enemy. The enemy will see and flee when you are steadfast in the things of God. Just living for Christ to the full is enough to keep the enemy at bay. Let's begin with verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 10. Paul is pleading with them, and he uses the term, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who is present among you in a, how should we say, base or lowly manner, but being absent are bold. Now, let's explain all this. Paul is making a personal appeal to the Corinthian Christians in defense of his ministry, which has been under attack by a small group of people within that congregation. He appeals with using the phrase, the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Can I just elaborate again on meekness and gentleness, which are related terms. But meekness is an act of divine grace 
that is cooperated with by the individual, where they basically handball everything to God. They handball their rights. They handball their defense of themselves and their vindication. They basically handball their battles and say, God, you fight this battle for me. It actually is great wisdom. But what it really amounts to Similar to what John the Baptist said to his disciples when they commented that Jesus was baptizing more people than John. John said, well, he must increase and I must decrease. Meekness is where we decrease in our good ideas, our defensiveness, our seeking for vindication, our fighting for our rights. We decrease in all that. We give that to God. So we decrease, but Christ in us, the hope of glory, increases that everybody will be reached. The truth is, if you want to be powerful in God, you have to be meek, because then it's Christ in you that is the source of all strength. And of course, there is no limitation to the strength found in God himself. Moses was meek, the meekest man on the face of the earth. Jesus said of himself, I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. Both Moses and Jesus were highly authoritative, highly empowered men. So if you really want power, don't try to struggle in your own strength. Practice meekness. And yes, it is the turning the other cheek. It is letting the little things of life pass you by, not reacting to them, not fighting back, not lashing out. Just be the eagle and fly above the fray, the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Now, he goes on to say that when he's physically present with them, he is base and lowly, but when he is writing, he roars like a lion. Now, basically, what Paul is doing is he's paraphrasing his detractors. In the next verses and in the next chapters, indeed, Paul is going to have to explain and defend his ministry. And can I say, we do this very seldom. Most of the time, when the critics are carping away, we just keep on keeping on. But there will be times, occasionally, where we will have to respond. Verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 10, But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. All right, but what is Paul saying? Paul is accused of trying to intimidate or bully the weak by his overbearing yet cowardly nature. Because isn't that what most bullies are? Cowardly. And yet, this is, he goes on to say, he talks big in writing, but he is so servile in the presence of the mighty. Of course, this was not the case with Paul. It is what his enemies said. But the description is given as one who walks according to the flesh. Now, flesh versus spirit. This is Christian or biblical terminology that may be incomprehensible to people outside the faith. But let's put it this way. The flesh, the carnal nature, being in the natural, all these are the same thing. Now, not everything that is carnal and natural is evil, but the nature that is carnal, natural, and quote-unquote in the flesh, and flesh doesn't mean skin, it means your carnal nature, is corrupted. And that corruption brings sin that ultimately leads to death. Paul would prefer, and this is what he's saying in 2 Corinthians 10 too, not to be bold in front of the faithful majority the way he will be with the rebellious minority. 
To walk in the flesh in this case means to have worldly ambitions and to use any means possible to obtain them, even if they're unethical, even if they are abusive, even if they are detrimental. The means allegedly justify the worldly ambitious ends. Well, of course, they don't. Verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse 3. So we all live in our human mortal bodies, but we don't all fight according to our human mortal bodies, though Paul's enemies certainly did, because they were definitely in the flesh. What they were doing was not from God. What they were doing was not from the Holy Spirit. It did not have the fruit of the Spirit, like love and joy and peace, whether through demonic possession, which is probably unlikely here, or more so through worldly ambition, egged on by spiritual malevolent forces. Whatever it was, Paul says we will counter them not by arguing with them, not by trying to physically harm them. We will counter them through our spiritual weapons. That leads us, of course, to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. And that tells us, though the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Paul wisely recognizes that his opposition is not from carnal, immature, fleshly people, but from spiritual hosts in high places. He affirms that our weapons of warfare spiritually are not of the flesh, They are mighty through God. These weapons pull down strongholds, which include human reasoning, ideologies, philosophies, thoughts, anything that appears to be wise, but of course, in the eyes of God, are utter folly. Thus, the mental and spiritual sources of resistance to the gospel will be pulled down. Now, of course, most of us haven't done medieval-style warfare, but remember, there's a castle, there's a moat, there may be high walls as well. These things have to be pulled down or bridged in order to conquer the enemy. And then in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Very powerful. Verse 5 is an elaboration of verse 4. Our spiritual weapons cast down imaginations, which means reasonings and opinions. And by the way, friends, we are choking with so much false reasoning and opinions. Either they're erroneous or they're just downright ignorant. And I don't mean to be insulting. And of course, I'm not calling anybody by name, but just listen to what people are saying publicly. Very opinionated, sometimes very, very nasty and ill-tempered, and oftentimes very ignorant. Although they talk like they know what they mean, they really don't. Let's not fight such people with fire. Fighting fire with fire, getting on that level of arguing and insulting and being rancorous. I mean, that is obnoxious. No, we have a better way. God's way. So while the Greek philosophers of their day prized wisdom and ethics and sounded very eloquent, yet they relied on precepts that were either non-existent or downright wrong. In addition was the whole pantheon of Greek gods and goddesses who were a superlative example of people being acclaimed as gods. These are the forces Paul and the apostles faced, and yet, as history demonstrates, these false systems and theologies came tumbling down as the gospel took hold in Greece and in Europe. 
bringing down every high thing, could include the most venerated of figures, perhaps like Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, who were reduced to mere humans by the preaching of the gospel of Christ. The phrase used in this verse, the knowledge of God, comes from the Bible, which has authority. It comes from the Holy Spirit, who bestows even more authority. Every vain thought was brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Whether Hellenistic heathenism or the Church of the Dark Ages, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God brought all these false things into captivity. Final verse, verse 6, it tells us, 2 Corinthians 10, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. All evil will be punished when the righteousness or the obedience of the righteous is fulfilled. We will not pull out the wheat in an effort to eliminate the tares. While the enemy has built a strong castle, high walls, and a moat, our spiritual weapons pull and destroy all these things. Once our obedience is fulfilled and we are ready to receive our reward, then the fullness of God's righteousness and his vengeance will come to pass. Now, our lesson is entitled Spiritual Warfare, and our lesson for life is this. No matter what difficulty you face from people or circumstances, remember that the source of the problem is spiritual and the solution is equally spiritual. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education, and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles from the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you in Jesus' name that you have begun a good work in us, and you will complete it in Christ. Help us to recognize and be spiritually discerning, not fighting with people who are loved of God, whether in or out of church, but to deal with and to destroy the spiritual strongholds that are holding so many back. We thank you for this victory. We thank you for these weapons. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.